0: Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, Ahrefs has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool, and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O slash S-E-J.
1: Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Thank you for joining us. It's time for another installment of our ongoing series, Better Know an SEO Pro. And one person in SEO you need to know about is Ryan Jones. Ryan currently leads the SEO team for Razorfish. He's been at that company for about eight years now. And uh, four years before that, he was still doing uh, SEO, just a few other places. Uh, And before that, uh, he started uh, uh, as a software engineer, which is interesting, I'll be asking about that. Uh, Ryan has been a contributor for Search Engine Journal for a few years now, and this year he will be one of four columnists who are uh, sharing the Ask an SEO column, uh, where we answer your questions about uh, whatever's on your mind. Uh, Ryan's also a regular speaker at PubCon, and you can catch him this year at PubCon Austin and PubCon Miami, and hopefully at PubCon Vegas. Uh, And he also hopes to be at Ungagged later this year. You can find him at Ryan Jones, and I highly recommend following him because he is quite entertaining on Twitter. Uh, Here he is, Ryan Jones. Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Uh, So glad you could join us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, so let's get started. So. I was doing a little research um, and I went back in time and I found an old blog post of yours from 2007. I don't know if you remember it offhand, but I'll I'll refresh your memory. hopefully. So there was an article you wrote called Common Sense SEO and in it you wrote the following. Have you ever wondered what makes certain people SEO experts? More than any other field, it seems like there is a ton of conflicting information out there about SEO. And then you concluded by saying my question was this, do many SEOs lack common sense? Are they confusing lack of reward with a penalty? Are they really paranoid of everything they do? Are they focusing on search engines instead of the customer? Or are they just trying to get articles published to further establish themselves as experts? So that was 2007, and I wonder now, here we are in 2020, what do you think, Ryan? Do we still have a common sense problem in SEO? Is it better, worse, about the same? What are your thoughts?
2: Wow. All right. We're starting off deep, deep cuts yeah. here. Deep cuts. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going to the best of 2007. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So uh, I don't know if I would call it common sense these days. Um, 2007, me might have. Um, but I would definitely agree with some of what I said back then. I think the industry's gotten a lot better. Uh, I think in 2007, we were more about chasing shiny objects uh, than we are now. Uh, a lot of people, you know, it was, it was the younger days of the uh, industry you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago now, it's 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we were chasing a little more shiny objects and a little more, um, you know, rumors, hearsay based than, um, you know, more scientific approach, more development technical approach that we're taking today. I, if I had to rephrase it today, I would say it's a little bit of a myopic view that we still see in SEO, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, you know, just, you know, there's a few people out there, I won't name people, but there's SEOs out there that, just you know, it's harder to see the whole picture. I think we're in a part now, especially with SEO, where uh, SEO is becoming real marketing. And if you don't have that real marketing background or that developer background uh, to understand all aspects of it, uh, I, I think you're you're just not as complete as you could be. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know, there's still a lot of correlation um, stuff going out there. There's there's still a little bit of you know checklist SEO and um, and, you know, kind of weird information out there, but I think it's gotten a lot better. I think the industry's mm-hmm. in a, I mean, we, unfortunately we still end up debating subdomains versus directories every, <laughs> every other month for some reason, right. but <laughs> it's, I think it's gotten a little better. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so cool. All right. So as we mentioned in the intro, you're currently the lead of the SEO team for Razorfish. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what Razorfish does these days and what's your focus there?
2: Yeah, so I started out at Sapient. Um, geez, 8 eight, eight-ish years ago. I don't <laughs> remember the exact day. And uh, a few years into that, maybe three or four years into that, we were bought by Publicis. And so then we became Publicis.Sapient. And then we became Publicis Sapient. And then we merged with Razorfish to become Sapient Razorfish. And then we became um, just Publicis Sapient again. And now we've taken the marketing arm, which includes SEO and paid search and a few other things. And this just hit the um, the airwaves last week on um, the ad age and stuff. And I, I won't talk about any of this stuff except just to say that it's out there on on the adages and and news sites. Go, go mm-hmm. read it if you want. But we're we're bringing back the Razorfish brand. So my role, along with uh, one of my colleagues, Sean, uh, is that we run a forty to fifty person uh team uh running SEO for all of what's now known as Razorfish.
1: Okay. Excellent. So what is your focus Are you sort of working with big brands or uh, are you just more doing the management of the teams or what, what's your your uh, role there and what's your typical day look like?
2: Okay. So yeah, I work with a lot of big brands. Um, you know, I work with an auto company, a couple major retail companies, you know, some online retail companies. Mm-hmm. Um some hospitality type companies, all major brands. I won't I won't name any of them on the call. Sure. Uh, so most the bulk of my time is is working with, you know, doing actual work, working with, you know, brands about their strategies and about, you know, their SEO. But there is also a people management as- aspect. I think that's kind of in addition to the work. Okay. Excuse me. The work that I do. So it's it's a little bit of both. So a typical day is way too many meetings. <laughs> um, yep. Wait, you know, it's half my day's client calls with various clients. Uh whenever they just pick up the phone and call me or scheduled calls. And then it's, you know, there's one-on-ones with team members. There's going over deliverables. I try to take a big focus on on the delivery of the work uh and making sure that we're taking that strategic approach and, and that we're giving the client the proper insights and that we're delivering the best we
1: possibly can. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. So, how do you typically define success, either for yourself or your clients or your company? Like, sort, how does that sort of work for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, ideally, success for us is success for our clients, Mm -hmm. and that's that's my biggest metric. Um, You know, I have an auto client, and I like to tell my team all the time when they come up with ideas, how many cars is this going to sell? And it's it's an interesting way to look at stuff. So, when you're talking about you know, um, making an edit to the CSS file to make the page load slightly faster—like, how many cars is that going to sell? Mm-hmm. Versus creating an FAQ content section, right? So, it's keeping stuff in in perspective, you know, that FAQ section is probably going to sell a lot more cars than that CSS file change nice. or that XML sitemap. Right. So, success for us is success for our clients. Or, you know, you can replace cars with you know any other product for retail clients. Um, And success for our our clients differs. Um, You know, I don't like to come into a client engagement and just say, this is how we're going to measure SEO. Uh, You know, here's your clicks, here's your impressions, here's your ranking position, the the standard metrics from Search Mm Console. I like to ask clients, what's important to you? How do you guys measure stuff? Show me your internal reporting. What, What do you guys send around internally? What metrics are you being held accountable for? And how do you guys look at stuff? Like, you have a monthly meeting with your boss. What numbers do they bring up? And what numbers are they looking at? And then we can frame our SEO to help drive those numbers. So that's, you know, it's it's not one size fits all. It's, it's tell us about your business, and then we'll measure things how you measure your business, and then we'll look to help your business succeed. So it's it's more about just SEO and rankings, and it's, it's about, you know, real marketing. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Okay, so um, as you confirmed, you do work with a few big brands. So um, what are some of the big challenges that, are currently out there with that whole relationship. And are there any tips maybe you can share the, you know, if others are working with big brands and facing challenges that are similar, like, have you learned anything that can make that process a bit less painful from your side? Yeah, it can be
2: culture shock working with larger organizations if you haven't done it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I hire, I look for people that like you know do you have agency experience because otherwise um, we're going to spend the first couple of weeks you know getting you acclimated to how things work at big brands, which isn't a deal breaker. But um, big brands things can take time. Um, I had a past client at a past agency where they spelled their brand name wrong in the footer. Um, this isn't my current company. This was God eight, nine ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know where it says copyright you know, 2000, whatever company name, they spelled the company name wrong. In oh, yes. <laughs> and Right. Which happens, oh, Somebody, yeah. you know, no one caught it, but to get that update live in a big brand, it, it takes, you know, it took a month or two because, you know, you have to first assign it to someone you got to assign a, a project, you know, put it in the marketing calendar, assign a project manager, assign a developer, get it fixed. It's got to go through legal review. It's got to go through QA review. It's got to go through, you know, stages of client review. And it it can take, you know, three or four meetings and like a month of work to to fix something because of all the reviews required anytime you update something. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it can be culture shock to say, you know, hey, we should do this and then have a client come back and say, all right, that'll launch in six months when, you know, but it's, it's not, you know, a lot of times it's not the agency's fault. It's the client review processes, especially with a publicly traded client, everything's got to go through so many, you know, different layers of review and it's. You know, you might just want to change your title tag, but suddenly there's 30 people involved in changing your title tag on the client side. So it it can be challenging. Um, Most of the effort with large clients isn't the SEO stuff. It's getting people on board with the SEO stuff. A lot of our job is selling SEO and convincing clients, getting buy-in, showing the value um, of what we're doing. Uh, I think there's just as much work involved not only in doing stuff, but also showing what we got for it, showing the value of it, convincing clients that you know it was worth the spend, and, and it's worth spending more, uh, because here's what we can get out of it. You know, so there's a lot of sales work, there's a lot of analytics work involved in it. So mm-hmm. I think the challenge is, it's not like you would expect in a typical SEO job where you just you know you're you're doing SEO all day. You're 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 doing evangelism too.
1: Yep. And that leads into one uh, question I actually had for you uh, as well, um, and. I don't know. I, I I guess I still wonder why it is that you know in 2020 we're still trying to have to sell people on the value of SEO. You know, I I don't know if you have any insight. You know, how do is there a way that we can get past this where we don't have to? Con- I mean, it's 2020 at this point. You know, SEO is not a new thing anymore. So why are we why are we still stuck here? You any any idea why? <laughs> yeah
2: um i was talking about this the other day with with some employees and i i had a uh, a good analogy i came up with that i'll get to in a second but i think it's i think it's expectations right uh-huh. um i think if you go in to a tire shop and you need new tires on your car you literally just go in and say i need new tires right and you walk out after they do whatever they do in the back room that you don't see and you have new tires what you don't see is that you know You got new valve stems, you had balancing, you had mounting, they fill them up with air or nitrogen or whatever. Mm -hmm. They did all these extra things, right? Valve stems, balancing, mounting, air. But you didn't ask for any of that stuff. You just asked for tires and they did all the extra stuff. And I think SEO kind of falls into that way too. A lot of clients are like, I need a website. And they assume that they're gonna get The balancing mounting valve stems air of their website they assume they're going to get the seo they assume they're going to get the accessibility they you know assume they're going to get all that stuff Mm -hmm. and they don't we don't work like the tire industry where we do all the extras because it's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. this industry the development industry the marketing industry you know if you don't ask for seo and accessibility you're just going to get a default angular react template um, mm-hmm. with the default settings yep. and so I think it's perception I don't think clients know that they have to specifically say do the SEO I think they want it I just don't know that they're specifically asking for it and I don't think we as a greater industry are doing a good enough job of, of giving them what
1: they need rather than what they ask for mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense Cool, okay, so let's uh, hop back in time a little bit. We'll uh, learn a little bit more about uh, where you started. So, um, how did you get into SEO? Um, did you do something before SEO? or And what led you to uh, the SEO industry?
2: Yeah, let's let's talk about my, my favorite topic, me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so yeah, I, I graduated with a degree in computer science. Uh, I wanted to be a programmer. And my first job out of college, um, was uh, working at a web dev shop uh, it was a, a small company I stayed there about six or seven months before mm-hmm. I, I moved on but in that six or seven months I was making websites and my boss you know on day two with a job came to me and he's like do you know anything about SEO and at that point you know Google wasn't a publicly traded company yet mm-hmm. Google wasn't even the most popular search engine yet like right. we were all still using all the Vista and I'm like not really Really? Like what's it stand for? (laughs) um, You know, uh, Alta Vista says it's sewage enforcement officer. That can't be what you're talking about. So, um, looked it up and started learning because our clients were asking for it back in those early days of the web. You know, Mm -hmm. WordPress wasn't even a thing yet. Right. Uh, And we were building CMS systems for them. So, um, started learning about it to do for clients and, you know, eventually started running it for that company in the six months I was there. Took a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I got a better job offer um, at a company doing uh, auto loan leads, uh, mm-hmm. which is some pretty, pretty uh, interesting stuff in the back end. But anytime you fill out one of those forms on a, a site, you know, getting for a loan or something, it's I was responsible for shipping your information around to a hundred oh. different companies and seeing who wanted to pay me more for it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so i was writing yes. algorithms that bought and sold stuff in real time. Wow. but we had an seo team too and you know i was talking with them about stuff. um our seo team at that company was pretty basic. they were creating these terrible websites and like you know creating these terrible link exchange type things and all the all the shady stuff you can imagine. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know um just every trick in the book, right? now i wouldn't say black hat but just like I don't know. Take a really bad checklist from your favorite SEO site from 15 years ago and and follow it, uh, like that type of stuff. Like it was there I learned that if you put a login box on a site, even though there's no login, customers are more likely to convert than not because the login box builds trust. We actually A/B tested that. Wow. So like you know, so we had a bunch of sites with login boxes that didn't do anything because people were more likely to convert. So like you know, some shady stuff. But um, <laughs> stayed there for a little bit. Um, didn't leave on good terms with that company. They did some some things I wasn't happy with, um, ethically, and um, also outsourced a lot of jobs. So I left there, and was like, "crap, I need something to do." Um, and at that time, I was uh, I started creating my own sites. Um, I created NoSlang.com, which is an internet slang translator. Um because I was talking with like cousins and stuff and couldn't understand what they were what they were saying with their acronyms, so I, I made a translator as a joke. That site's still around. I actually published a dictionary of Internet Slang uh mm-hmm. back in two thousand and six-ish or something. Um related to that site. It's on Amazon. Don't buy it. The whole book's online for free now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um <laughs> I still make like twelve bucks a year off that book. Amazingly nice. something. <laughs> um so yeah i i then I took a job specifically doing s e o and I stayed there for about six months until I ended up selling one of my personal websites to a venture capitalist in Seattle um It was a text message website um so back in the days where you got charged by, for text messages, I had a site where you could send the text message online for free and get your replies via email so you got around your rate limits no oh, wow. um and a lot of people probably used it for spamming and harassing too but sure um <laughs> It ranked number one for the word text message back then. So it got tons of traffic, Uh, you know, theoretically I could have lived off that if I wanted to back then, Um, but I realized that couldn't last forever. So I sold that to a venture capitalist and along with that came a job offer um, to basically be a product manager for this startup in Seattle. Um, It was an identity based startup. So we were doing a whole bunch of cool things. We we had like a a LifeLock competitor that was completely free, but uh, somebody ended up buying and killing Oh uh, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> some in the industry didn't like that uh-huh. <laughs> um we you know we did a few other things too we We were basically you know how you can log in everywhere with Facebook. We were sure. trying to pitch that to a bunch of sites way before facebook did oh, wow. um and I think we were just a little too early
1: yeah
2: um so I worked there for a couple of years, startup went under um and then uh I went agency side and I've been agency side for the last you know eleven. 10, 11 years um, doing okay. SEO. So I, I kind of just fell into it, you know, like mm-hmm. started off programming, people needed SEO. I started making these crazy sites of my own. I was like, well, how do I get people to this thing that I made mm-hmm. and uh, self-learned, but you know, the programming knowledge, I think in the background is, has been a huge uh, help in, in, in my SEO career. just, you know, knowing how to code, knowing how to think like a search engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm gonna shift topics here and stop talking about myself, but. I think, uh, you know, I was talking with Mike King the other day and and one of our, the best favorite conversations I ever had was him and I were just going back and forth talking how we'd code a search engine right now if we wanted to start. Mm. Um, And I think (laughs) what started the conversation was um, someone, I made a joke, someone should start a search engine that only looks at factors that people put in lists online, (laughs) all it does. Like whatever blog post says, here's the ranking factors, literally use just that and make a search engine out of (laughs) just that. And I think it'd be amusing even better if you had toggles where you could switch what it is. And so like, we started talking, like, how would we make this? How would we code this? And it was the most insightful conversation because we're both developers and just like, well, crap, here's this thing. And I don't want to out anybody or people, but here's this thing that this somebody thinks is a ranking factor. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about how to code it, you realize there's no freaking way that can be a ranking factor the way they think it is, mm. because it just wouldn't work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think we veered off there, but oh no, that's
1: yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, did you ever, you know, get get to the serious stage with? like trying to build your own search engine or is that just sort of like a pipe dream sort of? Be I think sensitive. Mike
2: is, I think Mike is actually working on it. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> if I had the time I would have. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, I think it's really doable at small scale because yeah. um, common crawls out there, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to build a crawler these days. You could. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you wanted to do the crazy stuff that some of these blogs think are ranking factors, you'd have to build your own crawler because right. most of the crawlers wouldn't be Storing that data points uh, or some of the some of the stuff that you know, um, that people list out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could do it with common crawl, and then you know, where we had the biggest discussion is indexing and mm-hmm. and how we how we'd start indexing a website. Um, you know, because some factors have to be computed at indexing time, and others can be computed at at query time, mm-hmm. um, which was part of the in- really interesting part of the discussion. For example, PageRank, right? You have to compute PageRank when you index the site, you can't compute that on the fly because it takes way too long.
1: Right. Um,
2: but uh, other factors, you could compute on the fly. So it was a really interesting discussion on, on how we do that and which factors would be static and which factors would be dynamic, which which are the computer science terms there. Yep. Um, but it was, uh, it was a really fun conversation, but I think you could do it. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a huge barrier to cr- actually creating a working search engine. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge barrier to creating a good working search engine. Right,
1: yes. <laughs> Very true. All right, cool. So um, I was checking out your LinkedIn profile and I saw in there that you listed yourself as a Google quality rater back in 2006. Is that legit? And if so, how did that all come about?
2: Yeah, that was legit. Um, that was um, right about the time I was doing website stuff. And, um, you know, in 2005, 2006, I, was, I wasn't I was making a lot of money as a mm-hmm. web developer. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I graduated college in oh four. I had my personal websites, um, and so I saw Twitter wasn't a thing. I saw somebody mention it in a forum, like, hey, Google's hiring these quality writers," and I was like, well, SEO is really interesting, and um, I said the G word, and now I'm trying to shut up my Google home on my desk right before it talks. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> talking to me. Um, so I saw it, I'm like, well, that seems interesting, and I'm trying to learn about this SEO so um, maybe I'll apply for this. And you know, since my title at the time was not SEO, it was web developer. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in, and it was—it's probably the most I ever learned about SEO. Um, getting to read the Quality Reader guidelines before were, they were—they were public, right? Mm-hmm. Back when they were secret, and we had all these NDAs that we couldn't share any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no—there was no secret sauce in there back then. Just like there's no secret sauce in there today. It's—it's right. it's pretty similar. Of you know what's useful, what's relevant, what's not relevant, what's spam, and how do you determine that? Uh, and they gave a whole bunch of examples, but it was it was really insightful into SEO. I think I've learned the most from just reading those guidelines mm-hmm. than I've learned in anything else in this industry.
1: Yeah, do you think that still could be true for someone today if they really just started reading that and maybe say not like any industry publications where there was all this terrible information out there? Like, could you seriously? You know, do SEO well if you just read those, do you think today?
2: Um, I think you could be effective at SEO just reading those. Yep. It depends on how you interpret them. Okay. You know, there's a there's a lot of people like Eat, right? Yep. Uh let's go on the Eat ban- on the Eat rant here. There's it talks about, you know, Eat in there as a way to determine an authoritative site or a trusted site. Um and you know, back when I was a quality writer they used the words vital, useful, relevant, not relevant, spam porn. Um mm-hmm or malicious um, and so there's a lot of people reading EAT out there and some people will say oh there's an EAT score or an EAT signal right mm-hmm. but you got to realize that the web the the raider guidelines are not one-to-one to the search engine right. they're English language explaining what the search engines trying to do right so just because they say EAT doesn't mean there's an EAT score or an EAT number there's probably twenty different things in there that combined make up "eat." So, like maybe PageRank or you know things like that. Uh, and "eat" is probably mostly PageRank. But there's all these other numbers that make it up. So as long as you understand that it's um, a metaphor and not you know strictly like um, I want to make
1: a Bible analogy, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking this sounds like a very fine, good time for a Bible analogy, but okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't,
1: I don't want to annoy some of our readers. Right. So, yes,
2: yes. Um, You know, it's the quality reader guidelines are meant to be in spirit. They're meant to be right. like, this is what we're trying to reward, not this is exactly what we're doing. Right. So as long as you take it with that grain of salt and then just build something useful, I always tell clients and team, you know, stop saying, how do I rank for this query? And I think the industry, that, as an industry, we're constantly asking, how do I rank for this query? But what we need to ask is, what do people searching this want? What do they expect? Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? Yep. And then go build that. And that's that's going to be an easier way to get to the top of the rankings than trying to take what you already have and making it rank. Yes, absolutely.
1: Cool. All right, so let's move on. Um, do you have a favorite SEO campaign or a project that you've worked on, and why? What, why was it, like, your favorite? And you don't have to name clients here if you can't or don't want to, but do you just have, have sort of, like, something that you worked on that you were super proud of or had a really great uh you know, just something great that came out of it. Um, I have lots of stuff that I'm super proud of
2: that great stuff came out of. I have a f- several of them that I'm not allowed to share. <laughs> um, but I think one of my favorites comes before I was at this company because I can share this one. Okay. Um, but it was it was it was also like the first big thing I worked on in my career. Uh, and that's that's why it's one of my favorites is, um, you know, convincing Ford to move from Ford to Ford dot com. Mm. Uh, and myself and one of my colleagues, he was named Kevin at the time, did a lot of work on this. Um, well, he's still named Kevin. My colleague <laughs> at the time named Kevin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, we did a lot of work on this, but that was a huge change. Yeah. You know, Convincing clients to move websites because Ford.com was a company information site, not a sales site. It was investor information. It was where they're, you know, we we even had to deal with like, are my emails gonna change from like C-level people at Ford? Mm-hmm. Um, over this t- time and it was you know it was one of the biggest impact things we ever did um, both from a measurable impact from SEO uh, which I can't say what it was sure. and um, just from like a huge thing uh, there's another one we just um, I worked at the hotel client recently and I won't say what hotel client it was um, but we did a website redesign for them and they you know we included SEO in, in the main at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, as we built their website. And the client put out a press release after we're done. Uh, again, I still won't say clients, even though they put a press release out. But they uh they claimed a fifty-two percent increase in SEO traffic hmm. um after we redid the site for them. And this wasn't like a huge hotel that everybody you know, I'm sure everybody knows of it, but it's not like a giant hotel. Fifty-two percent increase in traffic to them was really big. Like sure. having that kind of impact on somebody's business to me is just amazing. Yeah. I love when they can see those results uh from the work we did and just see that translate to business impact.
1: Yep. Very cool. And I always like to flip this question around too and ask, was there ever one of those clients where things just did not go as planned from an SEO, you know, from the SEO side? And, you know, knowing what you know now, is there anything you would maybe go back and do differently or is, you know, and what would it be? And again, you don't have to name any clients here, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to name the client, but I'm going to tell the story.
2: Okay, <laughs> go this one's sitting in the front of my head. So we worked with a retail client um, a few years ago. And this retail client had recently been penalized, uh, a manual action from Google that was written up on. Um, some people read about this in the news. Um, it got some public, it got some notoriety. Mm-hmm. And so they brought us on, you know, they 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 threw their SEO agency under the bus in the reconsideration request. Um, it, you know their SEO agency at the time was, was doing some shady stuff, mm-hmm. um, and so they brought us on um, to do a whole bunch of things. We we still have some people doing dev with this client, um, but they brought us on for SEO too. And you know, I flew down there with a colleague, and we spent a, a week in their office, and uh, we we did an audit. We talked to their stakeholders, we talked to the SEO team, and you know, we put together this audit and roadmap for you know what we think we can do to help them and how we can go forward. And uh, the audit had about 70 tech changes that needed to be made. Um, For example, their category systems had pages for products that didn't make sense because it was crawling every facet on the website. Mm -hmm. And so there was like a page for like, you know, boys bras that (laughs) existed on their page. That's not a real product they sold, but that page existed because the CMS was crazy throwing out links. So we had all these technical changes that they needed to make to this website. And I remember the CEO saying, or CMO, my bad, at the time saying, hey, we don't have any dev resources, so you guys need to hit your goal of an SEO increase, but you can't make any dev changes. And I, and it was in that meeting where I, I looked at the CMO and I'm like, I don't think we can help you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And he said, what do you mean? I'm like, well, all of your problems are technical. I mean, your content's great. You have a whole team in here writing content. They're." They're they're good content writers. They're doing good job. You you have a bunch of technical problems. I mean, and he said uh, he goes well. Our last agency gave us an SEO lift without making dev changes, and I couldn't control myself. I said, "You mean the one that got you penalized?" <laughs> uh, I was like, "We don't do that here." <laughs> and, um, and so I it was the first client I ever fired, mm. um, where I was like, because he said, "You know, well, what if I give you unlimited SEO resources but no dev resources?" And I said, I would teach them how to code <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they need to they need to make code changes so it was yep. a, it was the first client I ever fired just because they didn't you know, and a lot of people don't realize that there's mm-hmm. a lot of companies out there that um that think s e o is like a condiment that you sprinkle on something after the fact yeah uh it's just like you know wave your magic wand and s e o it or add some keywords to this page, but you know it's an ingredient it needs to be baked in and part of everything so I don't know if it's a fail, but it's the first and only time I've ever ended a contract uh, just because I didn't
1: think it was the right fit. Gotcha. Very cool. All right. That's that's kind of scary, too, but all right. All right. Um, Did you ever have a a period in your career where you were sort of like struggling um, at at some point? And how did you deal with it or overcome it? And what did you learn from it?
2: Yeah. um, You know, when I... When I left the um, auto company, I, I spent a couple months, um, you know, looking for the right fit, and you know, times were pretty tough then. But I, I basically started creating my own websites to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at that point I, I realized, you know, if I can do this for other companies, I can do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I probably need to take more of that advice, to be honest, because you know, I'm still doing stuff for other companies and not enough stuff for me. Right. Um, You know, I brought up Mike earlier, but he likes to call it securing his family's generational wealth, Mm. um, which is a good phrase to look at it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have a family or anything, but, um, you know, if I can make money for large brands, I can make money for me. Um, And I think that's pivoting back to an earlier topic. I think that's a good way for SEOs to start out. You know, don't just start out trying to do SEO for big brands. Start doing SEO for yourself. Yep. Make something, whether it's a blog, an affiliate site, or an app, a tool, whatever it is. Start start doing something for yourself and hone your skills that
1: way. Yep. Absolutely. The best way to learn is by doing it yourself. All right. Cool. So let's shift gears now. Uh, let's talk WTF SEO. Uh, so tell us a bit about what WTF SEO is and what you do for that site.
2: Yeah, so WTF SEO is basically the onion of SEO um, it's parody blog um, it um, it started as a blog when I just facetiously I I'd owned the domain for a long time and I'd never done anything with the domain and uh, I, I just start, started seeing the same headlines over and over again in SEO and it you know it was um, just the same style of headlines, the same six or seven articles constantly being posted everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like reasons our tool is better than this tool, or top 250 SEOs that I hope will tweet this article if I link <laughs> them in it, right? Like, it was like everything could be broken down into like, I almost thought about writing a book about this because you can break down every marketing post into like one of six or seven categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I just started to make fun of that. And I put up a fake blog with just headlines of like seven articles. And I, I put all my cart articles up there. And, you know, I started sharing it on Twitter. And um, some people started retweeting. And then um, Simon Heseltine came along and, you know, he started writing a couple articles with me. And then I started fleshing out all these articles. And Simon and I were writing articles for a long time and it, it gained popularity. And then, we brought you on to edit so mm-hmm. i'm sorry I'm going to out you there but mm-hmm. danny's been danny's been doing some of our editing um along with a few others who are no longer there um and we started bringing in guest writers um you know there's some very very famous people and very very famous people's ghostwriters who have written for us <laughs> um, and uh you know it's just it's just fun it's just having fun with our industry it's you know if we if we can't make fun of ourselves you know what's the point mm-hmm. so it's it doesn't make any money. Um, whatever little money it's made, I've spent on beers or stupid things like hats and stickers and um, wine glasses for some of the people that write for us. Um, so it's you know whatever little money it makes gone back to the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, SEO readers like it gets a lot of traffic, but surprisingly, SEOs don't click on ads. Go figure. <laughs> um, so and it's really really hard to rank a satire parody site. For actual SEO terms, yes, that real SEOs are trying all day to rank for. So, um, most of it's social, word of mouth, but it's it's a fun time. Yeah. Um, after you know a, a few months into the project, whoever owned the Twitter account at the time pinged me and was like, "Hey, do you want this? It matches your website. You can have it." And I said, "Sure." And so, um, most of our Twitter now is Simon. Um, so if if he offended you, sorry, Simon, um, but. <laughs> It's, uh, I'll tweet it on it. I'll tweet on it occasionally. Um, but Simon pretty much runs the Twitter account these days. Um, I just write the snarky articles. So, um, (laughs) you mentioned we're doing ask an SEO for SEJ. Yes. There's, uh, we just did an ask an SEO article for, uh, ask an SEO AI article for WTF SEO. (laughs) Um, so I like to piggyback. Uh, I can't remember the other article I did for SEJ, but I made the same article for WTF SEO and managed to time it so that they linked to each other. It was, it was mm. amazing. Wasn't it SEO um,
1: Skills, I believe?
2: Yes. Yes, yes it was yes. Top Skills. Top Skills, and yes. Like the SEJ the one was real, and the WTF SEO one was like, you know, bullshittery. It was the number one yes. skill you needed. So was, <laughs>
1: yeah, that was fun.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you have a sort of a favorite post from WTF SEO that you've written or anyone has written for you?
2: Yeah, my favorite that I've written is the SEO is dead one. Yes. Um it's an evergreen post because, you know, uh like the post says every few weeks some in-scorned intern or, you know, developer or Jason Calacanis wannabe or actual <laughs> Jason Calacanis <laughs> writes writes an article calling SEO dead. Right. Um and they always say the same stuff. Um but it's always like somebody that relies on SEO and like, they they never really put their money where their mouth is and no-index their whole site to show us that SEO is dead, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's always some site that, that needs SEO. Or oftentimes it's somebody else that wants to rename SEO to something else that, you know, they want to be known as. Right. And we've had, like, 100 different names out there where people want to rename it. So it's, you know, uh, so it's just tongue-in-cheek at that, but it's, it's a recurring trend in the industry. Yeah.
1: And funny enough, you can actually learn some stuff by reading WTF SEO, believe it or not. So... <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. There was one article where I snuck in like a couple real pieces of advice. Yeah. um, And like it was was kind of funny to me because people were thinking those were jokes, and I was like, no, no, that's that that one's real.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Talk speaking. So we mentioned you're a big. uh, I I always see you at PubCon, of course, but uh, yeah, you speak elsewhere, and I've spoken tons of places. So do you have any advice, maybe, for people who? Themselves maybe want to become a speaker at some point soon.
2: Uh, sure. I mean, just go for it. Um, don't don't let the imposter syndrome get to you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I I started attending PubCon's my favorite conference uh, out there. Um, and I started attending those, and just you know, I was having conversations with some side people. I think it was Ben Cook, uh, the first first PubCon I ever went to, that you know, over a beer was just like, dude, you could be speaking here. Why aren't you speaking here?
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: you know I had never thought of that that way, like you know I had that imposter syndrome, um mm-hmm. you know, look, looking up to people, and so I applied and spoke um tips for getting accepted um you know case studies um talk about in your pitch, talk about what people are gonna learn, mm-hmm. like literally say attendees will walk away from this session learning x y z um that's that's what people want uh talk less about yourself uh, that's funny coming from me, but <laughs> talk. <laughs> Talk less about yourself uh, and more about the topic and what people are going to learn in that topic and have something interesting to share. Have a case Mm -hmm. study, have an experiment, have, you know, um, you know, client examples, Um, have something cool, do something cool, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you'll get in there and get speaking. But yeah, I mean, go for it. There's there's no reason not to.
0: Our sponsor for the podcast, Ahrefs, has an awesome set of tools that have become an industry standard for just about every SEO out there. For instance, if you're not getting any real significant search traffic, href has tools that can help you find topics worth creating pages or content on. You can easily see the estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their keyword explorer tool and that can help you create content that would drive more search traffic. Our sponsor for the show is Optio who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to Optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot slash S-E-J.
1: What's your favorite part about speaking at conferences these days? Honestly, it's the networking and the relationships. Okay. Um, some of my
2: best friends in the industry or some of my best friends in real life, um, I've met at conferences. Uh, just, you know, so many good relationships, so many good friends. I mean if you're if you're facebook friends with me you'll realize most of my facebook friends are seos um or hockey players <laughs> and it's you know i i think i it's it's just the relationships it's getting to know people uh mm-hmm. it's the contacts and not just professionally just you know even personally the contacts there's just so many good people in this industry and so many amazing friendships just just in socializing from hanging out at the bars from talking you know from sitting next to random strangers at sessions or or on the transport to and from conferences or mm-hmm. at, the, at the conference events, uh, don't be shy. Go talk
1: mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, let's move, now let's move to writing. Um, as we mentioned, of course, you've been contributing to SEGA for quite a few years now. Um, so you're going to be starting our uh, starting on the Ask an SEO uh, column. We actually, we just had your first put, uh, post published, so uh you we can did. everyone can read that so i was just curious uh sort of what you're what you're looking forward to doing with that column this year
2: um yeah it's gonna be a fun column because i'm literally just gonna write it depends for every post and <laughs> call it done it's it's gonna be great um referencing my first post yes um <laughs> no we did we did our modal searchable uh which is a really big it depends question mm-hmm. uh because there's a million different ways to code them and that depends on it um I think the, I can't remember the next topic, but I already submitted it, so that should be going live pretty soon. And uh, I think the third one I'm going to answer is talking about edu and gov domains. Um, stay tuned for that because I think I'm going to take a turn in there where uh, most people aren't expecting me to go. So uh, I'm playing that one in my head right now. But no, it's fun. Uh, it's it's fun to help people. I love to hang out. Um, for those of you that hang out in like Reddit, our SEO or our big SEO, um, or the hang out in the Google uh, Help forums. Uh, Or they hang out in a million Facebook groups. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's there's a SEMrush Facebook group I'm in. There's an SCGA Facebook group, a PubCon Facebook group. There's like four random SEO ones and two or three Black Hat ones. Um, You can find me always just, you know, answering people's questions on on a lot of those places. Um, Because I like, I don't know, I like being challenged. Every once in a while, you see a new issue in there that you haven't seen. uh, and, And it challenges you to dive into it. Hmm. But oftentimes you just see the basic stuff. So you know, rather than rather than have somebody spend years toiling away at something, it's easy to just you know point people on the right track. I like to teach.
1: I like to you know help people out in the industry. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Do you have a favorite article that you've written for SEJ or your blog or anywhere? um, Sort of like one you're most proud of. I know we already talked about WTF SEO, but do you have like a legit, um, you know, (laughs) non-parody that you? have a as a favorite um you know let me i'm gonna pull up my author profile on
2: search engine journal right now here um and see what did i what did i write for what did i write for you guys that uh that i like let's see um my job interview questions one is pretty good i like that one a lot Mm -hmm. because it's really it's really how i interview people like my whole team in detroit right now can tell you that they got asked every one of those questions Mm -hmm. in the interview yep um The broad core algorithm update is a fun one too. Um, I think I wrote about what a core algorithm update is during the first core update. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still point clients to that one. Uh, It's, it's a lot easier than me rewriting it. Every time there's a core update with a new client, I still link them to that article. Right. So for that reason, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with those two
1: articles right there. Cool. They are good ones. And we'll definitely put those in the recap post for everyone listening. So check out. Uh, And, Uh, Elsewhere on writing, do you have uh, sort of a a best writing tip that you could share with people for what you think is, you know, essential when you're writing something to uh, either get your point across or just be entertaining or whatever the case may be? I'm probably going to tell people not to follow my
2: style of writing. Oh, Um, I'm very weird when it comes to writing. So I compose right in WordPress. I don't like a lot of people write in Word or write in something prior, Mm -hmm. I will literally just fire up WordPress and start writing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I only write, so this ask an SEO thing is is new to me because it's a sign. And up until now I've only written when something needed to be said or Mm -hmm. when, you know, something got to me and I was passionate about it. Right. And, you know, I, I didn't typically do editorial schedules. I'll, drop into SEJ and write three or four articles a year based on whatever is annoying the hell out of me at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this, you know, having a, a set um, scheduled post now is interesting to me. It's it's a change. So um, I guess my takeaway would be have the passion, right? Um, and let that passion come through in your writing. Um, that's what I do. Um, but I don't write for a living. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I think I'm okay at writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I would always... I don't know. I'm I'm also weird, like that. I never really reread my writing or listen to myself in podcasts or whatnot. So like, I will probably never listen to this podcast that we're having right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there because chances are I've already said something that I'm like, why did I say that? Or oh, I should have said this instead. Or that was stupid, right? There's probably something stupid I said already. And so I'll, I'll probably end up just not listening to this because it just makes me cringe when I hear that stupid thing
1: I, I said. <laughs> All right. Well, there's. But one you should last listen. To this. Everybody yes. else. Everybody else should listen to this, of course. Don't don't tune out or anything, because we still got plenty of good stuff ahead. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's go to a few random questions. Uh, so, are are there any specific SEO tactics or tips that you think are are really working well now for you or your clients um, that you could share with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a tip, but. One of the big focuses right now is, you know, understanding searcher intent and understanding the changing SERP landscape. Mm-hmm. And I'll be doing a talk on this at PubCon Miami um, mm-hmm. as soon as I get around to actually doing those slides. Got <laughs> yeah, a couple months, but um, pay attention to what's showing up. You know, um, a lot of SEOs don't do this. They do their keyword research. They don't pay attention to what's actually ranking. Is it all? Um, you know, transactional content ranking, is it informational content ranking? Are questions and answers ranking? Mm-hmm. Should I be focusing on that? You know, is is it all map pack and local stuff? You know, I'll give an example. You know, I had a client once that wanted to rank for the word shingles because they sold roofing shingles. Mm-hmm. But if you search shingles, there's nothing roofing for that query. Mm. It's all medicine. Right. So mm-hmm. that's not a query to focus on. And then same thing with other clients. Um, you know, I had a client that wanted to rank um Well, no, I won't use a client example. I'll just use a regular example. Um, You know, if you search for like, you know, Mickey Mouse birthday, there's a whole bunch of information about Mickey Mouse's actual birthday. But what there aren't are birthday cups and plates and hats and stuff like that, because that query is not transactional. So if you're a company that sells, you know, child's birthday party supplies, you probably don't want to go after that query so pay attention to what's showing up in the search results Um, question Mm -hmm. and answers is a huge one for us now we're working with a ton of clients where you know Q&A that people also ask is getting that number one or two spot in search results right now Mm -hmm. so we're working on getting there and you know refocusing our content to be focused on that because people aren't looking for websites for some of the queries Um, you know one clients a a tax client and questions has been huge for them Um, we've seen a Huge shift in them just, you know, by getting more of, the, of those people also ask boxes uh, and being the expert. And it doesn't doesn't equate to traffic uh, as much right because, you know, people get their answer right there in the search result. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes time to do their taxes, they remember who answered their questions for them mm-hmm. and, you know, who are they more likely to go to for tax prep or tax help. They, it's that branding point of view. So yeah, it's it's interesting seeing SEO become a little less click dependent, and a little more branding as the search features seem to change. And again, I hope to be sharing some case studies about
1: that in Miami. So I won't go too much into it right now. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Um, on the other side, are there any tactics that you see still getting a lot of talk, or uh, you know, get written a lot about, but maybe aren't actually as you know having as much of an impact as they did maybe a couple, three years ago? Yes, too many. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Um, um, Too many. Um, Where to start? I think one of my favorites that a lot of people still talk about that I don't think provides any value is disavow files. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, big caveat, if you have a manual penalty, um, yeah, you need to disavow. But there's a lot of sites out there proactively disavowing. A lot of SEOs that just monitor their links on a weekly basis and proactively disavow the ones they think are spammy. Um, and I can see why we can sell that. We can charge for that. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Um, I think Google's gotten better at ignoring bad links unless you're, you know, actively trying to manually spam stuff. I think they've gotten better at ignoring the bad links. Uh, and so I, I recently just took our disavow files off any clients that had them mm-hmm. uh, that never got a manual action. Just mm-hmm. deleted the whole thing. Yep. And nothing happened. Like mm-hmm. one client went up, their ranking, average ranking position went up like 5% which is nothing, but mm. it didn't go down. <laughs> right. So like really nothing happened. Yeah. Um, And when I look at some of the tools out there that suggest sites to disavow, you know, I ran one of my sites through it and it's like, you should disavow this link from CNN.com. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. that's an article about my website. Right. Like that's a legit article, <laughs> you know, um, one of them, another, a different tool brought up a reader's digest article. Like, yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. an actual article I published in Reader's Digest. Yeah. Like, that's you know. So it's it's interesting to see. Um, so I think a lot of people blindly following that. Other things is I think we we split hairs too much on little things that at the end of the day don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, H one H two tags is one that I think a lot of people spend way too much time discussing, yeah. and I think if they don't do it now. I think the search engines will get to the point where they know what's decorative and what's actually a heading, no matter how you tag it up, mm-hmm. uh, based on context and clues, especially in the world of, you know, natural language processing and, and things like that. Right. Um, now, that's not to say H tags don't matter. They do for accessibility. If you got to, if you don't have them properly nested, you're not going to pass an accessibility audit, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're going to get much SEO lift, you know, making a, uh, a CSS style in H1. Right? like I don't think that's a thing. Um, let's see. What else are we talking about? Um, domain le- age uh, or re- length of registration. I think that's kind of a silly thing to debate too. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, it might correlate, but also that's something you buy. Like That's just something where you can throw more money at it. And I don't think Google or Bing would like the prospect of like, oh, you want to rank higher? Spend more money on this random thing that doesn't make the site more useful to a user. Yeah, User doesn't see that. So I think, I do think we spend a lot of time focusing on stuff that like, it maybe might matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like, you know, keywords in domain name, is that a ranking factor? Yeah, right, mm-hmm. Google has not said that it's not. Mm-hmm. But can it carry much weight? Because the domain name is again, it's something you buy. Right. And unless it's a branded query, it probably doesn't carry that much weight in the algorithm. Because it's, you know, it's not something you do in it. In today's world where we have crazy domain names for everything, it doesn't matter much to users with the exception of branding. Someone's going to come out there and say, but well, what about this? So I will say with the exception of branding right uh, and brand names and branded searches where they're looking for a brand name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things out there that are technically factors that, you know, might not be a factor um, in the future.
1: Mm hmm. Absolutely. Now, you you briefly mentioned accessibility, and I know that's been kind of growing as a hot topic in SEO circles, just in terms of, you know, is that something that really matters? And I know, obviously, the big big issue is if you get sued. So um, how are you sort of approaching accessibility now as we're getting into, it seems like we're getting into really muddy waters at this point, where nobody really knows, you know, the right thing to do. So how are you sort of approaching that right now?
2: Yeah, it's Muddy Waters is a great way to explain it. Like there's there's really no government law or mandate for accessibility um that makes it simple. Yeah. The I've had clients get sued, I can't talk about any of that. Right. But I've dealt with clients that have been sued. And the legal standard right now seems to be, and again, I am not a lawyer, but the legal standard seems to be did it prevent the user from completing a task? Mm-hmm. Um, And so, like, if you're missing an alt attribute or your headings aren't properly nested, I don't think you're going to get sued. But if the user can't do anything on your site and do the thing that they came to do, that's where you open up yourself for the lawsuit.
1: Right.
2: And, um, you know, accessibility is really interesting because it it overlaps with SEO, where, um, well, let's talk about lawsuits for a minute. Um, Hilariously, uh, if you look at the lawyers doing most of the lawsuits, none of their sites are, are accessibility compliant. So if you're getting sued, <laughs> I can't wait for the first company to resue the lawyers that are suing them. <laughs> um, right. I yeah. think it's going to be, <laughs> I, I would laugh. It's going to be hilarious, right? Yes. None of these lawyers are accessible themselves and here they are bringing these suits. Um, I think it's interesting in SEO. Um, I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, you know, I've, been fighting challenges where a lot of accessibility guidelines now tell you not to have alt attributes at all mm-hmm. on a lot of images. Um, the guideline being if the image is decorative, um, it doesn't need one. So, um, And that they're getting really strict with that. So like if you have an article about George Washington and there's a photo of George Washington in the article and a heading of George Washington, they'll tell you not to put an alt attribute on that photo because the heading is enough to and that the photo adds no information to the page. Hmm. I don't like that yeah. practice because I want my image of George Washington to rank for George Washington. Right. So we've had a lot of interesting discussions that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I talk about, it about accessibility? Oh, uh, one of my favorite, um, I don't want to call it Black Hat, but it's kind of, eh, I don't think it's fully ethical, but it works for link building. I've seen some companies doing this. I've never done this, um, but, One of my favorite link building tips that I saw somebody doing is they would send an email and say, Hey, I clicked the link on your site to this thing. I'm blind and use a screen reader. The site you linked to didn't work for me. Here's another one I found that worked for me. Maybe you should update your link.
1: Hmm.
2: (laughs) And this works. I have seen I've seen people doing it. I've gotten some of the emails myself. That's how I know it works. And I know the people doing it because I laughed when some of my friends sent this email to my site. So I actually emailed them and was like, um, don't know who you're hiring to do your link building, but they're sending them to me. But I, this works, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a little unethical to pretend you're blind when you're not. I wouldn't advise doing that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are so paranoid about accessibility that, you know, they're changing links because of emails with people threatening stuff like that. Wow.
1: That's pretty, that's pretty shady, but that's also pretty genius too, so...
2: yeah and i'm worried about sharing that because now like this podcast is going to go out there and start sending that email
1: yes (laughs) all right (laughs) don't do it people don't do it okay um standard uh we do not approve of this practice okay uh so let's talk a little bit about machine learning and how that's sort of impacting the role of the seo how do you sort of see you know as, as we're getting more and more away from you know I don't even know how to put it, but it's just like you know, a- machine learning AI is taking over more of the algorithm. Is that going to sort of change the job of the SEO? Do you see that like the role changing of what we're doing in the future? Is it a near-term change, a long-term change? How do you sort of see that all shaking out?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think machine learning and artificial intelligence um, are here to stay. Um, I should just say machine learning because it's none of it's really actually AI, right? AI, right, but we all true. talk about in PowerPoint, and it doesn't really. Um, anyway, so machine learning is here to stay. It's it's not going anywhere. Um, I don't really think it changes our jobs as SEOs that much. Okay. Um, you know, um, it's it's because Google has and Bing have always been kind of a black box for us, right? Um, whether it's and no matter what algorithm they're using or what method they're using, it's still kind of a black box and we still have guidelines we still have goals we still know what the algorithms are trying to reward and and trying to surface to users uh and so we still know the outcomes um and as long as we know the outcomes and the inputs how they rearrange those inputs to get to the outputs internally doesn't really matter to us Mm -hmm. so i think it's interesting to hear us talk about it and there's a whole bunch of edge cases where you know, we can exploit it or create some issues, right? Cause everything has edge cases. Yep. Um, but with, with those aside, I don't think it changes much at all. I think, I think it's still the same job. It's figuring out what people want and giving it to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Let's do a community question right now. Uh, Brian Harnish of site objective, also a search engine journal contributor want to know what is your favorite SEO fail? And I believe this ties into your PubCon presentations where you have done sort of a pretty hilarious roundup of all the crazy SEO uh, screw-ups you've seen uh, over the years. So do you have sort of a favorite uh, SEO fail?
2: Oh, man. Um, yeah, I will be talking about SEO fails at uh, PubCon Austin in a couple of weeks. Um, so stay tuned for that. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite fail. There's just so many out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of of what could be one of the the favorites I've seen. I mean, I like when big companies fail. Um, You know, one of my favorites, I don't know if it's a fail, is when Shynesty, they make those crazy Christmas suits Mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um, When they put on their website, sorry about this next text, it's just for SEO, and then had the most keyword stuffed piece of text ever, like on their homepage. And like the heading was literally, sorry about this text, it's just for SEO. <laughs> so that that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when, you know, I laugh when Bing had an issue getting indexed in Google, and it turned out to be a technical issue. So I laughed at that a while ago, because mm-hmm. um, it's funny to me when, you know, search engines can't figure out search engines. Yeah, um, But to their defense, there's strict walls inside Bing and Google where, you know, the marketing teams can't talk to the search teams. Um, you know, I actually interviewed for a job at Google a long time ago, and it wasn't in search. And you know, it was made really clear that like you're not going to go to lunch with search people and talk about search with search people. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being the deal breaker why I didn't take that job. But mm-hmm. so there's you know, there are no there aren't really those secrets being shared within Google and Bing. I can vouch for that. Yep. So um, to their defense, but no, it's just uh, it's just amazing to me the simple things that that can cause people to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, or the simple mistakes that you know a lot of big sites make. Um, I've got about a hundred examples of stuff. Uh, I don't want to share too much of my pubcon deck because I want to make that ticket worth the price of admission. Sure. Uh, so, but no, I mean it's it's just the little stuff. But it's I love the blatant stuff. You know, like when people just go all out there and be like, hey, this is what we're gonna. You know, it's when it's blatant, like the Shynasty example there. It's it just amazes me. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Uh, do you have any current resources that you could recommend to people? It could be blogs you read, uh, people to follow on social media or podcasts, whatever you're into. Do you have any recommendations for people who want to
2: either learn about SEO
1: or just keep up to date on everything that's happening? Uh,
2: most of what I follow is on Twitter these days. And, um, my, the most recent accounts I'm following are more Python, more machine learning, more, um, you know, information retrieval type stuff. Um, I I just attended the TechBoost conference um, remotely uh, because the weather was horrendous. But, um, you know, there's a whole lot of SEOs now talking about, you know, writing code and, you know, using machine learning algorithms. And people are talking about the computer science and information retrieval and information architecture and all that fun stuff, Mm -hmm. which really doesn't help that much with SEO as we know it today, but it's super interesting. So. Every once in a while, you'll see me geek out on that type of stuff. Um, I love the stuff Hamlet Batista is doing with with Python now and making some of the code accessible to a lot of the SEO community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to Hamlet there for for all the stuff he's doing and all the code he's throwing out there to people yeah. um, to make stuff, you know, a, a lot better. Um, uh, I I watched a talk by Ricardo Yates Beza about um, bias in information retrieval, uh, and he already uh, he wrote one of my uh, my favorite textbooks too, by the way. Um, so I've been following some of that type of stuff, okay. um, but you know, just just real geeky stuff right now that I've been following. Um, but a lot of it's on Twitter, um, just you know, seeing what people are putting out there. Um, you know, I go to the blogs occasionally. I read SCJ all the time, um, and all the other main blogs too. It's most of my learnings come from Twitter these days. Okay. Excellent.
1: Uh, What about tools? Can you talk about some of your favorite tools that you're using right now?
2: Yeah. um, So I, let's see. SEMrush, Ahrefs, Majestic, uh, Screaming Frog. um, Yeah, yeah, those are both, but the big ones in our tool set. Um, I use BrightEdge a lot for clients. Um, It's super expensive, Mm -hmm. but BrightEdge can be fun. But, you know, Screaming Frog, SEMrush are the ones I'm in every day. And then Ahrefs and Majestic, you know, when I need that type of stuff. But lately I've started building my own tools that do stuff that I need that's very specific. So, Mm -hmm. um, like right now I built a little Python-based scraper that scrapes people also ask questions in Google and it does it recursively so I can get a couple hundred questions and then throws them into a nice little thing that looks like Answer the Public uh, Mm -hmm. Graph um, visualization. That's Ooh. nothing I can share. It runs on my computer only because my Python skills suck and I can't figure out how to package it up to send to someone else to use. <laughs> but it works great on my computer. Yep. Um, so, you know, I've got a couple other scrapers for, like, related searches. And, you know, I've started just building tools to do what I need to do. So, you know, when valet uh, went down, which is the tool that Edward Lewis ran to check, you know, server headers and things like that, when he took that down, I missed it, so I built my own at serverheaders.com. Sure. Uh, check that out. It does a whole ton of stuff. Uh, it doesn't just tell you your uh, you know your status stuff, but it it basically it's my first step in an audit. So I built in like it, it does the Lighthouse API and it checks your robots.txt and a whole bunch of other random crazy stuff. It'll you know do an ngram map of your content even. And, uh, and then it provides a whole bunch of links to all different sites that I might want to run your site through after that. So like there's a you know a link to check for accessibility and all that fun stuff. So it's my first step step when I do an audit just to put all my information in one spot and then give me a whole bunch of links to you know find all the other stuff that I'm going to want. Um, I also launched SEO Data Viz, viz.seodataviz.com. Um which has two tools there. The first one, uh, you enter a keyword and it'll go scrape Bing Suggest, sorry Bing, um, and Google Suggest. Um, and it'll aggregate all those keywords and it'll um, pull out topics in those keywords, or n-grams, like we call it in computer science, and show you the recurring topics in that field um, mm-hmm. and and what you should search for. And then there's a link on there that lets you import your own keyword list and pull out all the n-grams too, um, so you can see the recurring themes or topics in that keyword list. Um some basic data visualization stuff. Um it's really useful to me, you know, as an SEO when you're looking at a thousand keywords and you just, you know, you might not want to optimize for the keyword, but you might want to find a topic that maybe isn't a keyword itself, but reoccurs in all the keywords. So like, you know, um if you were looking at like the example I put on the site is Christmas drinks. And so if you uh you know, if you look at all the Christmas drinks keywords, you would have like non-alcoholic um come up um mm. because but you wouldn't have that as an actual keyword because it's in all the other keywords. Right. Um or you know, coffee based, right? There's there's not the keyword like coffee-based Christmas drinks, but there are, you know, the word coffee shows up in in like thirty, thirty different keywords. So you can pull that out and like, oh, you know, if I'm writing about Christmas drinks, there's there's a whole segment of people that are interested in coffee-based Christmas drinks. So you can pull that insight out from the tool, so that's that's kind of how I use that and it's It's really fun. Dixon's doing some really similar stuff with inlinks, probably' at a more advanced level than I am mm-hmm. um, you know, but again, I just you know these days everything I do is so specific with a lot of clients that I've just started you know creating my own tools there's um, I should share some of them I haven't there's probably like twenty or thirty different Google sheets templates that we have now, especially with app script. if you're not playing with app script, it's amazing. Uh, I forget who did the talk. Uh, somebody did a presentation on using Apps Script for SEO, and if I can find the link, I'll ping it to Danny, and he can put it on the website with this. Um, but there's just the stuff you can do with Apps Script and APIs is amazing in Google Sheets, and so there's so many Google Sheets templates our team uses now internally to do all kinds of crazy things for for clients and just pull data and make data more actionable. So yeah, it's most of my stuff's you know, custom geeking out. Uh, in Google Sheets and in Python, but you know, the the raw data for all that stuff still comes from the S, the Sumrush, the Majestics, the Ahrefs, and the and the Screaming Frogs, and then it's just what we do with that data using some more powerful tools.
1: Awesome! Very very cool cool stuff. All right, let's do a few fun questions as we're winding down. Uh, if you weren't in search SEO or marketing, what profession would you love to be in instead? Ah, uh,
2: I mean realistically i would probably be a programmer still Oh yeah, Um, writing code um what i like to be i don't know sometimes i i I would like to have a job that doesn't use my brain um Hmm. you know if if i could make the same amount of money i make now i i think i'd be happy delivering pizza because if you just turn your brain off put on some good music and take pizzas door to door it it would it would be nice right and then um you know, and I think a lot of people in this industry struggle from that. When we go home at at, at night, um we don't turn off our SEO brain or our marketing brain. It keeps yep. going, it keeps churning. Um versus, you know, I, I tell some of my friends, you know, I have friends that are firemen, friends that are nurses, friends that work on the assembly line. Uh and I I'm a little jealous of some of their jobs because when they leave the or leave work that day, mm-hmm. they leave work. Yeah. Like it's it stops. Like they don't think about it like they completely turn it off hmm. uh, whereas you know i'm thinking about seo and marketing and brands pretty much 24/7 right. so mm-hmm. curious to see what it'd be like to be able to you know separate work and life a little more hmm. um, having said that i mean i have an amazing work life balance in this job which i love and wouldn't trade for anything yep. um so I'm, I'm just talking about the the brains the brain stuff sure i was surprised i thought you might say something with hockey but I mean, I'd love to be a pro hockey player sure. or whatnot. Uh, who wouldn't? But right. I, I, there's there's no way that's going to happen. My knees are held on by Band-Aids and silly string <laughs> at this point. So.
1: so that wouldn't work too well, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice at any point, what would it be? Sort of the, another take on that. If you could do anything different knowing what you know now from uh, all your years of experience. Is there anything that pops out for you? Oh,
2: a ton, but nothing related to this podcast that I wanna share um, <laughs> <laughs> um let's see if I could go back in time in s e o um eesh, I mean, I think I'd work a little harder at you know doing stuff for myself, building my own sites, and building my own and and brand stuff up mm-hmm. uh, for sure, um, getting that you know passive income, I think is huge, yeah, um. I think I'd also you know learn a few different skills uh, I wish I would have learned a little more Python mm-hmm. um, you know my my language of choice was uh, PHP at the time and plus mm-hmm. uh, plus which is what I did all my work and I wish I would have kept up on the coding maybe even you know stayed in school got that master's degree in something um, I don't know it's a good question I I mean you know Introspective, I can think about people I wouldn't have dated or, you know, <laughs> sure. or things like that. But um, I don't think that's the answer anybody's looking for.
1: Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, do you have any sort of tips for productivity or time management? Anything that works well for you?
2: Oh, nothing works well for me. No. I am terrible. At time management. <laughs> I I think I have ADD. Like it's I suffer from ooh squirrel uh, a lot. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um you know to me i just have to sit down and do it and block stuff out um for me it's music there there's you know certain stuff i can put on and just go into that zone and focus um you know i find uh oh, excuse me go in here um you know I, I find i can put on like i normally listen to country music all day or 90s 90s music all day but if i need that productive zone i'll throw on something without lyrics like a little miles davis or, or mm-hmm. some coltrane or something like that okay. um just to background noise in the headset while I can just power through what I need to power through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really bad at time management. Like if you tell me something's due tomorrow at five o'clock, I'm going to start it tomorrow morning. I'm not, you know, if I right. have a week to do it, like I, I'm, I'm really, really, really bad. Like for example, you know, I'm still working on my pubcon deck for two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> did a pretty good place. It's, it's eh, about 95% done, but it's it's not done. And that, you know, causes a little anxiety for me, but mm-hmm. eh. it's
1: okay. Brett isn't listening. So he'll, he'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about best piece of either SEO or professional advice that's been given to you and who gave it to you? Oh man. Um, best professional
2: advice that's given to me. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you know, I, I had a boss once tell me that sometimes you have to eat some crow, um, which you know has been effective. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you know, even when you're right, you're not right, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or you know, sometimes you gotta let stuff go. Yep. Um, so I think I think that's uh, I'll go with that. Like sometimes, like some that's sometimes it's not the hill you want to die on. Sometimes that's not the argument you want to go out with. Uh, sometimes just give it up. Look at at the greater whole or see what's more important. Yeah.
1: Good. Uh, And on the other side, how about the worst piece of SEO advice that you continue to hear that you wish would just go away and die?
2: Oh, the worst piece of SEO advice I continue to hear that I wish would go away and die. I think there's a lot. I think there's, uh, there's so many, and I don't want to call it any one blog or site or tool or anything, but there's, um, there's just so much bad advice about stuff that's ranking factors i I wish the whole social signals as ranking factors would really go away mm-hmm. um you know we we if the, anything that search engines keep telling us that's not a ranking factor and then we keep going out there and saying it is or, mm-hmm. or doing it um you know I, I'm harkening back to page rank sculpting days oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that like surgeons are telling us isn't a ranking factor and then a lot of seos are like we know better yes it is like <laughs> i don't think they have reason to lie to us there right. i don't know what their motive to to lie to us would be there so i i just wish we'd you know we'd go back and look at our ranking factor studies and our our correlation studies and you know get rid of the stuff that we know isn't a ranking factor mm-hmm. um i almost did a a a blog post that's sitting there in search engine journal that I haven't hit submit on called that's not a freaking ranking factor and it literally lists like 20 things that are not ranking factors that we need to stop talking about and eventually I'll post it but it's so negative and angry right now that I don't want to hit submit because mm-hmm. that's not how I want to come across sure uh, it's not who I am um, so one of these days I'll word submit that to where it's not negative and angry and uh, then I think it'll be ready
1: all right. Sounds good. I am looking forward to that one. I know you've been uh, <laughs> struggling with that one for a little while now, but. Uh, I know you've read it and yeah, I know yeah. you can probably tell it's, it's still not ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about for newcomers to the industry uh, who want to, you know, eventually become successful? Do you sort of have any uh, advice like, you know, maybe what is the key to some long term success in this industry?
2: Yeah. Make a website. Mm. Um, Make your own site it doesn't matter what it is but put a site out there learn some of the challenges learn learn how to get it up there right like just Mm -hmm. what's involved in posting content install a CMS um, you know install some plugins make an XML sitemap uh, you know do all that stuff that you tell clients to do and that way you can understand what's actually involved or what it means when you're telling a client to do something you know then run your site through a W3C validator and try and fix all your HTML issues. That's a fun experiment. Or run it through an accessibility validator and try to fix that stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically, just get an understanding of what you're telling clients to do, uh, so that you can talk the talk with the developers. And and you know, from from having that knowledge, you know, oftentimes I'll get with the developer and I'm like, we can't do this. I'm like, well, have you tried this? How about this way? And oh, well, maybe we can do this. So just, just learn, just go out there and do it. And then who knows, maybe that website will turn into a side business or, you know, passive income, which is what it's all about. Um, but just go do it. Don't, don't rely on your day job, right? We all like to joke about social media managers that don't have their own social media accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) we see that all the time, (laughs) um, for various companies. Um, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, do it, do it yourself. Just go out there and learn, start coding. I mean, you're going to fail, but, Start coding stuff. Start putting stuff together and, um, you know, learn from those
1: failures. Absolutely. Uh, Is there anything in particular right now that you're most excited about in SEO? Hmm. Um,
2: Eh, not really. I mean, I'm I'm really geeking out on the machine learning stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and that type of stuff. I'm really excited to see the industry as it gets younger. Um some of the younger people coming into the industry know how to code a lot better than the older people. I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's it's more accessible, it's more taught in schools. And I'm I'm loving, you know, how some of the younger people are solving problems in different ways than we did in the older days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm loving that they're, you know, coming at it from a technology point of view instead of a brute force point of view. They're coming out with these amazing scripts, these amazing, you know, code solutions and you know taking the whole data approach to SEO and I, and i'm seeing a lot of cool stuff from people that you know you're not seeing speak at conferences or write blog posts because they're too busy doing cool stuff mm-hmm. and i wish some of these people would start speaking at conferences and writing blog posts because the cool stuff they're
1: doing is really cool and i think a lot of people could benefit from it yep. absolutely we got to get them writing all right uh and f- uh, finally what's next for Ryan Jones? You have anything you're looking forward to next?
2: Um next next when I hang up with you I'm going to go play some hockey. Uh nice. it's Martin Luther King Day so we're off work. Have Martin Martin Luther King Day everybody. Um even though you're going to not be hearing this today. Um, <laughs> but um no, I mean next next for me I'm looking forward like I said we just kind of reorged um you know from the Publicis Sapient to the the whole Razorfish thing. Uh and so I'm looking forward to that and seeing where we can go with that uh on a work career. Excuse me on a career thing. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't know. I cut down a little bit on conference speaking, but I hope to be at all the PubCons cons and uh, the Ungagged New York that's upcoming. Um, I'll definitely be at PubCon Austin and PubCon Miami. Um, but other than that, I think it's just same old. I'm going to keep working with the brands and clients I'm working with. Keep you know doing the conferences I do and. Hopefully got a few more years of hockey before my knees
1: fall off mm-hmm. <laughs> all right sounds good so I uh, just remind everybody uh where they can find you on social media or anywhere online if you want uh, want them to reach out and connect with you
2: yeah so my my Twitter is just ryan Jones uh, it's really easy um my LinkedIn is jonesy um j o n e s y but if you don't put a message by, about how I know you or why I should connect with you, I don't accept people. So if there's no note, you just get denied. But Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, my Facebook's super private. Um, I have a Facebook rule: if I have never had a drink with you, or you don't have my phone number, we aren't Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so either we've we've had to have hung out in person, or you have to be able to pick up the phone and call me. So if you've if you've requested me on Facebook and didn't get approved, that's why. But Twitter, uh, Twitter's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm always on Twitter. I'm on Twitter too much. Uh, I tweet too much. Um, it's, it's actually interesting because all week I tweet about SEO and I watch my follower accounts go up. And then on the weekend I tweet about sports and politics and I watch them go right back down. <laughs> it's 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 kind of a fun cycle. Um, so if you're into that stuff, if you're into SEO with a, with a mix of sports and politics, yeah, follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Jones.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for talking to us today. This has been a really great, uh, fun discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime. All right. Awesome. So that does it for this edition of the search engine journal show. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Please tune in again next week for another great episode. If you haven't yet subscribed to our, our awesome and fun podcast, make sure you do it uh, right after right after you're done listening. Uh, you'll get lots of great interviews every week. SEJ's Brent Satoris and myself are continuing to switch weeks uh, all year long. Uh, so lots of great stuff coming up this year for you to check out. Uh, if you want to follow Search Engine Journal, you can do so at SE Journal on Twitter, or you can find us with a simple search on either Facebook or LinkedIn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Mr. Danny Goodwin. That does it for us. So, uh, so long, and thanks for listening.